You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. John chapter 3, starting here in verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he was old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell from where it comes and whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? In verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? And I want to back up to verse number 7. Marvel not, or in other words, don't be amazed that I say unto you, you must be born again. This morning, I want to preach just a simple, solid salvation message. I have no better thought than being born again. Are you born again? Is it all right this morning if we search our heart? If we just take a moment and search our heart? <laughs> Do you know God knows your heart? And you know if you're standing right with the Lord. And all of us are just easily fooled. But when it comes between you and the Lord, and on that great day that we stand before God, well, we're not going to fool God. So I say to you, you must be born again. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, I love you this morning. I thank you, God, for the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid for us upon the cross of Calvary, that we might be born again. I call upon you in the name of Jesus to do something I can't do. That is, God, to open up the ears of every individual here, those watching live. Open our hearts, God, that we may receive, Lord. And God, anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. God, I need that help of the Holy Spirit. I need that anointing that is able to break every yoke, Lord, that we may allow the Holy Spirit to do that great and powerful work upon our heart this morning. God, without that, it's all worthless. It's all useless. But God, you're faithful this morning, and I know that you'll pull at every single heart that is here. And Lord, I pray that you would just, God, do let your work be done this morning, and I'll give you all the praise, the glory, and honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it, and everybody says, Amen. I'm going to kind of be all over the place, but we have, uh, you can follow along with us on the text. I want you to see the text. and can follow along with me. I'm not going to be all over the place in regards to thought, but I am going to be all over the place in regards to setting uh, the foundation uh, for the born-again message this morning. I'm going to kind of bring out some different things and different points, but I want you to, to think about being born again in our personal salvation. God is an individual God. He's an individual God, and I want you to know this morning that God loves you. 
Well, we've heard that before. Listen, I'm not just telling you that because I don't have nothing else to say. I'm telling you this morning because I believe it with all of my heart. God loves you this morning. The very fact that you're still here, that you're here this morning is a, is a true testimony of the mercy of God. How many of us should have been dead a long time ago? God had mercy upon you. God had mercy upon me. And so this morning, I want you to know that God loves you, a God that cares about detail, a God that has took the time to count the number of hairs upon your head. He's a God that loves us this morning. This morning, I warn you, not as a way of warning of uh-oh, but just to prepare you for the message this morning, I'm going to be very straight to the intent that it challenges our heart. I want us to do some soul searching to the intent that it challenges our thought to take a good look at self and our relationship with Christ because that's needful. It's so easy for us sometimes to get caught up in the motions. When it's going through the motions, we're just going through the act. But to stop and take a good examination sometimes is something that we need to do. I want to drum drawn to this man Nicodemus and I'm going to refer back to him in just a moment, the different places that he pops up or that he appears throughout the scripture, throughout the book of John. Last week, I was to tell you this, in a matter of two days, me and Sister Becky got a call and in a matter of two days, there's four people that we either knew personally or acquaintance with that has went on to enter into eternity. Four people. That's a lot. And so, of course, it's affected my thought process this morning and it's, it's been on my mind, it's on my heart, because the first thing that pops into my mind when somebody calls and says so-and-so has passed away, is I question, or sometimes I don't question, I know, but the first thing that pops into my mind is they're, where they're going to spend eternity. Were they saved? Did they know Jesus as their Savior? And sometimes it's, well, I know where they're at. And sometimes it's, well, I hope in the last moments they called out to the Lord. But that always is a question that I have, are they born again? And I feel like even though that that's on my mind, that that's where we need to be. The Apostle Paul, I'm going to ask you some questions this morning, not for you to verbally answer me, but to ask your own self and your own heart. The Apostle Paul left the church at Corinth with the command in chapter 13, verse 5, he said, let every man examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, and the word examine literally comes from a word that, that means to pierce. In other words, it needs for every individual that is in here, or every individual in Corinth, every individual that would hear the word of God, to truly pierce and get to the core of your heart. To get to the core of your heart. Am I in the faith? When he talks about in the faith, he literally means, am I trusting in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Not a head knowledge. Not just knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. Not just knowing that He is the only way. Not just knowing that without Him there is no salvation. But have you believed upon Him in the way to the extent that the Holy Spirit has come into your heart, circumcised your heart, a circumcision that is made without hands, has cut away your fleshly desires, and now you have a desire for the things of God. Paul said, I'm about to leave you, but here's one of the last thoughts and the last commands I want to give you, examine yourself. Allow your heart to be pierced and take a good look. Are you born again? 
Are you born again? If you could get into heaven right now and you can't, and you could get a hold of the book of life and you can't, and you could crack open the pages of the book of life and you can't, would you find your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Are you born again? Because regardless, I'm going to be a little blunt this morning, but I, I do it with the right intent. Regardless of what some ridiculous religion uh, teaches, you cannot pay somebody to pray you out. You can't pay somebody to get you into heaven. The moment you take your last breath uh, is the moment that is done, lost, and gone. Uh, we have to make a choice today. Today is the day of salvation. Are you, are you, not your neighbor, not your spouse, not your children, not your husband, not your wife. Are you born again this morning? Are you born again? Are you born again? Not what everybody thinks. Are you born again this morning? A thorough examination is good for all of us. Because if we get caught up in the motions and forget to place our faith and trust in Jesus... That's not a faith that God is going to recognize. Our faith must be founded upon Jesus Christ. And that faith is a faith that is going to change us. Listen to me, teenagers. Listen, moms and dads. I don't care how old you are. I don't, I don't mean this disrespectful, but I don't care if there would be, if I was preaching somewhere else and there's a gray head that is sitting in the congregation. I don't care this morning. I watched a 103-year-old man get up out of his seat, make his walk down here, put his head up on my shoulder and say, I want Jesus to be my bread of life. You can go your whole life and not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So to the very age of accountability, whatever that may be, to the age that you take your last breath, I'm calling out to you this morning, asking you the question, are you born again this morning? Are you born again? We teach and preach the Bible way of salvation, and I'm confident on that, enough that I'm willing to stand before the Lord and give an account for how I preach salvation. The Bible way of salvation is not complicated. I'm saying this to ask you a question. The Bible way of salvation is not complicated. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. The Bible says for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The Bible says that from the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth he confesses. The Bible way of salvation is not complicated. The moment that you recognize you're a sinner and you say God forgive me for my sins from the heart. The power of the Holy Spirit comes in to break the power of sin. To baptize you into Jesus Christ into his death, his burial and resurrection and raise you up that you would walk in a newness of life. I want you to know as powerful as what it is. It's not complicated. If you will believe from the heart, thou shall be saved this morning. But I want to ask you a question. Matthew chapter number 7. I want you to look at this. He's not going to bring it up. Verse number 13 says this. Enter ye at the straight gate for wide. Watch this. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go thereat. Verse 14, watch this. Verse 14. 
Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, but few there be that find it. Few there be that find it. I want to ask you a question. If broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life, but salvation is as simple as believing upon Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, how come there's so few that's there to find it? How come very few are finding this simple way of salvation? Broad is the way to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. But salvation is as simple as believing from the heart. How come there's very few that's finding this? Okay. I'll get to that answer in just a second. I want to bring out a couple of more things. In John chapter number 6, I want you to think about this. Jesus begins to teach here in John chapter number 6. He says, and it was a hard saying for them. As we're thinking about that question, how come there are few that find that way? If it's so simple, how come few are finding it? Jesus is teaching by this time he's got a multitude that is following after him. There's a multitude of people that is following. Multitude, literally thousands. Think about that. There's thousands of people that are following after him. And in John chapter number 6, he starts teaching them, telling them, I'm the bread of life. They got all around him. They were good. He was feeding the multitude. He, was, he walked on the water. He'd done all of these things, these great miracles. And now, I want you all to know that I'm the bread of life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I am the manna that fell in the wilderness. He went on to say, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of His blood, you have no life in you. This is what he's teaching to the ones that are following him. Get this. He didn't go into a city to a place he was foreign and nobody knew him. This is the ones that were faithful to follow him. He says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you don't have no life in you. My flesh is meat indeed. He says that the living Father has sent me. I live by the Father. And who he eats of me, even though they are the ones that shall live in me. He goes on and he continues to tell them. And Jesus' disciples begin to murmur within himself. What is he talking about? Why does he keep on saying unless you partake of me? And why is he saying that I'm the bread of life? He goes on and continues to teach. I am the bread. I am the bread. I am the bread. Watch this in verse number 66. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They left him. I'm going to get down here with you because I just want to talk. I want you to think about this. They were all right, Sister Davis, as long as he was feeding them. They were glad to be a part of the multitude when he was taking five loaves and two fishes and breaking it. Hey, let's go. It's a free fish fry. Everywhere this man goes, we're eating. They were all right as long as he was opening blinded eyes and as long as they were seeing the, the lame man get up and walk and deaf ears were being unstopped and the dead were being raised. We're not going to leave you, Jesus. And they stuck right with him. But the moment he stopped everything that he was doing and turned around to them and said, I'm the bread of life. I want you to know the one you've been following is the bread of life. Unless you eat of me, unless you drink of me, you have no life in you. They begin to murmur. This is a hard saying. What is he talking about? We enjoyed the miracles. We enjoyed all the things he's doing. But now he's telling us we got to partake of him. 
And the Bible says, verse number 66, many of them, they went back. Watch this. They didn't come back later. They never walked with him again. They walked with him no more. Never again did they walk with him. And then after they left, Jesus turns to the twelve, verse number 67. Jesus said to the twelve that he handpicked and chose. He said, will you go away? Will you also go away? And Peter looked at him and said in verse number 68, he says, Lord, where are we going to go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, Peter figured out something that the rest of the disciples didn't right here. Peter, I'm going to put myself in his shoes. That's just what I do. Try to make it relatable to you. Peter also enjoyed the miracles. He also enjoyed everything that the Lord was doing. He also enjoyed the, the atmosphere and all of the good things and the people rejoicing and the people shouting and the, the, the moms and dads that had their children brought back to life and they were eating. Peter enjoyed all of these things. And Jesus says, are you going to leave also? And Peter says, where am I going to go? You got the words of life. In other words, watch this. If I'm going to partake in all of the blessings that the Lord is doing, if I'm going to be a part of all of the good times and the good days, I've also got to partake of the times when I've got to set back and allow Him to dis discipline me a little bit. I'm preaching good. It's quiet, but I'm preaching good. I've got to set back and I've got to take in the part where He says, I'm the bread of life. And if you, watch this, if you don't partake of me, there's no life in you. There's no life in you. <laughs> My heart's heavy this morning because I know I've said this several times, but it seems like every single time that I go to a funeral, the people walk up and assume that everybody goes to heaven. The fact of the matter is, unless you be born again, you shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. I've been to visitations going to do funerals and walk up to the casket and walk by the pictures that they had there, uh, uh, all of the pictures that they had for everybody to walk back. And I have to walk back to the family and say, I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't be a part of this because there's going to be children coming by and you've got pictures up that are, that are completely, uh, uh, they're, they're, just, uh, they're not up, uh, appropriate at all for anybody to look at. Well, that's just who he is. Well, I'm sorry. I don't care who he is, but what he's at advertising is not something that I'm going to be a part of for them to have them to take them down and for somebody to come up and talk about how good of a Christian how good of a believer well you cannot judge their soul listen I regard and regardless of what your elementary argument is I can judge the fruits that you are producing a Christian will act like a Christian and a sinner will act like a sinner except you be born again you are not going you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. They enjoyed his company, his miracles, the atmosphere, but that's all they wanted. That's all they wanted. They didn't want to have to die to their self and to partake of Christ. Look at Mark chapter 10. Because I'm still at the question. If broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way to life. And salvation is as simple as faith in Christ. How come there's so few that's not finding it? When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, kneeled to him, asked him, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's what he wanted to know. How do I inherit eternal life? Verse number 18, he says, 
Why? Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one. And that is God. And the reason that he referred back to this is because he knew that the rich young ruler didn't even have a clue who God was. In verse number 19, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not uh, defraud, not honor thy mother and thy father. He answered and said, I have observed these from my youth. The Ten Commandments were given to us to show us that we were a sinner. There's no righteousness. They, could, they was unable to produce righteousness for him to observe them for the youth. Not only had he had broken the Ten Commandments, he just lied. Verse number 21, Jesus beholding him, loved him. Listen, this is why he said it, because he loved him. He said, one thing you lack, go thy way, sell whatsoever you have, give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. In verse number 22, he was sad at the saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. He told him what he had to do, take up the cross and follow me. Sell all your goods, and you shall have great treasures in heaven. By telling him that, he meant this. If I take up the cross, i got to take up, first of all, I've got to die to myself. Take up the benefits of cross, and then I've got to follow him, which includes a daily walk. You know, there's a lot of, I'm not, I promise, I'm not trying to be offensive or mean, but do you know there's a lot of believers that in regards to daily walk don't know there's any other day but Sunday? I'm preaching good. Yeah, daily walk is that, that I'm going to break it down for you what that means. That means daily. Every day. Daily walk. They don't want to have a daily walk. We don't want to follow Christ. It means daily. Watch this. If I take up the cross and I follow Christ, he had to deny self. He didn't have to throw that. Jesus didn't have to throw that in here because he told the rich young ruler, sell all your goods. Because he knew that's what self had a hold of. If he would sell all of his goods, he was denying self. Follow me. Take up your cross. In other words, the benefits of what I'm going to provide and follow me. This is what he was telling him. If you're going to follow me, it's going to be a daily walk. If you've taken up the cross, you're going to have a flowing of grace, the help of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to lead God and direct you into all truth, which means the end result will be that you are being changed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Rich, young, ruler... Deny yourself, sell your goods, take up what I provide for you, and follow me daily so that you are changed into my image. And he said, no. Turned around and walk away because he had great goods. <laughs> but if broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life. And salvation is simple. How come there's not more finding this simple way? He didn't want to follow Jesus because he would have to die to self. And self is our, I said our, I cut to the front of the line, is our worst enemy. What I want is what is my worst enemy. Nicodemus, I want you to think about Nicodemus here. I won't be before you a lot longer, but Nicodemus in chapter number 3. Can we go back to chapter 3, John chapter 3? 
He was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Here's what I want you to know. In Jerusalem, which was a booming city, especially at that time, Nicodemus was one of the three richest men. He was one of the three richest men in the whole city. He was not somebody that was not known. He walked around and people looked at him because he was a rich man. Nicodemus, in verse number two, as we quickly go through this, the Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Why did he come by night? Some will argue, but I believe that he came by night because of his position as a rich man. And he didn't want anybody seeing him. He had too much pride. He had too much pride, so he just wouldn't come during the daytime. But at night, he came and he sought out Jesus Christ. In verse number three, or verse number two, I'll continue on and she can follow along with me. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Nicodemus is a man that's caught up on the miracles, on the things that Jesus was doing. And because of that, he said, you're a man sent from God. He was not ignorant to prophets that came before him. But if you read back in the men of old, nobody had done miracles that would ever measure up to the way that Jesus was doing them. He could just speak the word, not even have to be there. He said, we know you're a man sent from God. And all of a sudden, Jesus answered and said this. Watch this. I want you to think about the conversation. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again. <laughs> except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now think about this. Nicodemus wants to talk about miracles. You want to talk about miracles? Oh, we know you're a man sent from God because no man does the miracles you do. Oh, you want to talk about miracles? Well, let's talk about miracles. Except a man be born again. <laughs> he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. He got so far... He got so far from his, uh, his natural man thought, from a miracle, that Nicodemus, when he said, we're still talking about miracles, let's talk about being born again. And when, when Jesus said this, Nicodemus said this, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Do you know why Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was talking about? Because spiritual things cannot be discerned by natural man. Nicodemus was lost. He was a sinner, and he couldn't comprehend how in the world a man could be born again. And Jesus is talking about a miracle that is so far beyond his thought process, he can't even grab a hold of it. Oh, woe to the church that will put on their marquee. Let's face it, miracles have ceased. If the miracle of being born again has ceased, close your doors and quit wasting your time. Talk about miracles? Let's talk about miracles. Born again. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Don't be drawn away by false doctrine. This has nothing to do with water baptism at all. It's talking about being born when the water breaks, being born in the natural. That's their comparison here, natural to spiritual, natural to spiritual. He said, you got to be born in the natural, and if you are, you're a candidate. Everybody in here has been born of the natural. You're a candidate to be born in the Spirit. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot, listen, he cannot, cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
And then he goes on to explain it a little bit more in verse number six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the natural birth. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And verse number seven. Now I want you to think about who he's talking about to. This is Nicodemus. He is on the Sanhedrin council. In other words, he is the one that's supposed to be more educated in the law than anybody else that is there. He's sitting on the council. He's supposed to know the Old Testament because they're supposed to be looking for Christ. He is one of their teachers to direct the people in the right way. And all of a sudden, he says, Jesus says, Marvel not that I say unto you that you must be born again. In other words, why are you being, what well, what has throwed your thoughts off so far that I'm telling you, you've got to be born again? Let me just say it like this. The prophets of old foretold that you must be born again, that there was a seed coming of a woman, a promise that was coming, that grace would come. Why are you amazed that I would tell you this? I want to explain that a little bit more in just a second. And he says this. The wind blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, but you don't know where it's coming from, and you don't know where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, the natural mind cannot fathom and we can't begin to understand how that we can place faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary and the person of the Holy Spirit can take your old man, your old sinful man, baptize you into Jesus Christ and bring you up as a new man. How in the world can God take a black heart of sin, wash it in red blood and bring it out white as snow? How can God take, put a new man in an old suit and never undo a button? I come to tell you it's so far beyond the natural thought process that we'll never be able to grab a hold of it but Jesus says don't marvel at this great miracle don't marvel at it verse number 9 Nicodemus answered and said unto him how can these things be and I love here verse number 10 think about this Jesus answered he said Are you really a master in Israel? Think about that. Are you really a master in Israel? You're sitting on the Sanhedrin council. You're a teacher that the people are looking to. And you're asking me how these things can be. Jesus come and he said, you don't know these things. No, it's not these things. Did you miss the prophecy of the new heart of of Ezekiel? Did you miss the prophecy of the new heart in Deuteronomy? Did you miss all of these? Let me tell you something. There may be some things that we miss in the Word of God, but when it comes to being born again, those are some things we don't need to miss. And he looks at Nicodemus on the Sanhedrin council, a master in Israel, a teacher to all of the people, and he said, how come you don't know this? That's a position I don't want to be in. I don't want to stand before the Lord and the Lord look at me and say, how come you didn't know that? Because he's supposed to be looking at the scripture daily and he said, how come you don't know this? You're a a teacher. You're a teacher. You don't even know nothing to teach. That's what he's telling Nicodemus. And all of a sudden, we see the conversation continues, but I have to stop right there. I want you to see this. Nicodemus is out of the picture. After John 3, and he pops back up in John chapter number 7. Now watch this. I won't be before you a lot longer. Just stay with me. Watch this. John chapter number 7 and verse number 50 and 52. Nicodemus said unto him, 
He's the one that came by night, being one of them. He wanted to make sure that they knew that this is the same Nicodemus that came to him in John chapter 3. That's why the scripture is there. Nicodemus says, does our law judge any man before it hears him and know not what he's done? And verse number 52, they answered and said unto him, are you also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And I want you to stop right there. Here's what just happened. They were accusing Jesus of of starting to blaspheme. And as they were accusing him, Nicodemus pops up in a timid way and he said, he doesn't say, I believe he's the son of God. He doesn't tell them nothing about his conversation in chapter three. He didn't tell them nothing about what Jesus taught him about being born again. But what he did was he popped back up just to simply say, hey, you know what? Our law says that we've got to at least give him an opportunity. You don't know what he's done yet, so let's judge him by the law. And then these people who could have been more illiterate than what Nicodemus is, they said, do you not know the scripture, how that no prophet can come out of Galilee? He didn't come out of Galilee. Nicodemus wasn't even wise enough to stop them and say, he didn't come from Galilee. No prophet arises out of Galilee. He didn't come from Galilee. <laughs> they were so illiterate about what is going on and what is happening. But Nicodemus, here's my point, I'll move on. He pops back up to give a little timid, you know, verbal uh, accusation here and defend him just real in a timid way. And they said, don't you know no prophet comes out of Galilee? He didn't even have a good argument there because he knew nothing about Christ. He just backs back out again and you don't see him until John chapter number 19 and I'll show this to you. Verse number 39. This is after he was crucified. There came also Nicodemus which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes. And Watch this. About a hundred pound weight. It's not by accident that the scripture tells us that he brought about a hundred pounds. Because a hundred pound weight of the spices, the aloe, the myrrh that was used to embalm was the exact weight that they would use to embalm a king. And Nicodemus, at the very end when he's died, he brought the spices and the myrrh enough to embalm a king. Because at this point, he recognized him as a king. Followed him all the way through the book of John. And at the very end, he says, hey, I bring a hundred pounds because I recognize him as king. I want you to say, I want you to, I want you to understand this. Nicodemus is the guy that's always present. But he's standing on the outskirts, never getting involved. Are you with me? He's always present, but he's always the guy that's standing back there. He may say something every once in a while. You know, you can't accuse him until our law, we got, our law says, well, there's no prophet come from Galilee. Well, okay. And he turned around and walked off. But he's always on the outskirts. He never made a stand for Christ. He never gave his heart and life to Christ to the very end that we have evidence here that he recognized him as king. He would have lost his position on the Sanhedrin council. And that was his status as a ruler would have been gone. A master of Israel, he would have been thought of no more. So he never, he never surrendered to the Lord to follow God. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be a part of everything he was doing. He wanted to see his great miracles. Oh, but he didn't want to give up his former life in the flesh. 
in order to after follow Jesus. He was in the world, and his whole world would have changed. He wasn't willing to make that change. My question today, if broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it, could it be because there are a lot, listen, please don't, I'm not, please don't take me offensive. That's not my heart. My heart is because I love you and, and God knows that's true. But my question today, Brother Shea, is not just here, but in the church world as a whole, how many Nicodemuses do we have that is setting faithful to church? Always wants to be involved. Always wants to be there, be present. But not willing to surrender their life of the flesh and truly be born again. Because they know that if I do that, I'm going to have to die to self. And the Lord's going to change some things that I don't want changed just yet. You know why you don't want them changed? Because you're not born again. Because truly, the true born again experience, God will change your desires. They know that there will have to be a death to self. And I want to tell you, I can think of no dangerous spot, no dangerous place to be than to be in the place where you're always present, you're always on the outskirt, and there's a part of you that always wants to be involved. But when I'm not at church, when I'm not around people that know me as a believer, then I have another life. Is this okay? I promise you, I don't mean to be offensive. I have another life, and I'm just not willing to allow that to die yet. I talked to Brother Wes a few times about his testimony. Before he got saved, Wes is not a very argumentative person, but before he got saved. Now, Miss Jennifer might disagree with that, but before he got saved, he would have told you, I'm saved. He would have argued with you, I'm saved, nothing wrong. But the night that the Lord, God the Holy Spirit, broke his heart and told him, you're not saved. It's the night that he truly got, that he came up and gave his heart, well, he gave his heart to the Lord before he ever got up, was filled with the Spirit. But he would have argued with you, I'm saved. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He knew that Jesus was the only way. He'd even been baptized in water. <laughs> but he never surrendered his heart. And because he never surrendered his part, his heart, there was no change. There's not a more dangerous, listen, there's not a more dangerous place you can be. The devil can convince you you're saved till the day you take your last breath and you never render our heart is dangerous. So he says, few will find the narrow way because in a general thought, everybody, 
believes that Jesus is the way, but they don't surrender their heart to actually say, God, forgive me for what I have done. And I place my faith in Christ and I want to live for you. Because God will not turn anybody around or turn anybody away. The true born again experience is Galatians 2 and 20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. That's born again. I am crucified with Christ. True born again is when we place our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in. Born again is not a head knowledge. I'm tired of the church watering down the born again experience. The born again is, a greater, is the greatest miracle known to man. The Holy Spirit comes in to cut away the desires of the flesh and give you a desire for God. And it's the greatest miracle that is known to man today. So I ask you a question. Are you born again? Are you born again? Have you get, can you find me a song book, Pastor Brian? I'm not going to sing, I promise. But are you born again? Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and as your Savior? I want you to think about what I'm saying. I'd hate to know. I'd hate to know that somebody's sitting in Faith Worship Center that I had to be concerned about their salvation. Back in the early 1900s, a man by the name of Mr. Hoffman, he sat down with a born again, with a powerful miracle of being born again on his mind, on his heart. He sat down and put pen to paper. God, let me leave the world a song. Let me leave them a hymn that will make them think about being born again. And he does it in the form of a question. He simply writes this. Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb because there's a fountain that is flowing for the soul unclean. Are you washed? My God, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's the question. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? His brother Jeff's coming. One of the greatest struggles that a person will have that's wrestling with whether they're born again or not is coming right now. Listen to what I'm about to say. Because deep down in the depths of our heart, we know if we're born again or if we're not born again. 
And when that preacher gives an altar call for me to come up, I'm not coming up because everybody will know that I'm not born again. Well, there's a flip side to that. Everybody may know that you know that your relationship is not just right with the Lord. But they will also know that when you make your walk back, that there's a new name written down in glory. And if the believer cannot rejoice about that, but they begin to look I'm going to tell you, if you're looking around to see who comes and you're worried about, well, I wonder who will get up here. You need to be the first one down here. Because we're here to reach out to those that are lost and those that are undone or those that are not sure where their relationship is. So this morning, I got to ask you, are you born again? Are you born again? Do you know that you know that your name is in the Lamb's book of life? Don't be like Nicodemus and sit on the outskirts. Just be involved every once in a while. Wait till the very end. No, enjoy living for the Lord. Get involved and follow God. Because God's plans for you are a lot better than your plans for yourself. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you to bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Just reverent to each other, reverence to our neighbor. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that you sent your only begotten Son, that whosoever, that means all of us, would believe that we would not perish but have everlasting life. God, I'm calling upon you to do something I can't do, Lord. And that is to move upon the heart of somebody this morning. God, no matter who it is, Lord, nobody knows their heart except you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the person of the Holy Spirit would do his work, God, convict and draw as we lift up Jesus Christ today. Lord, if there be one here, I'm praying, God, that they surrender today. Lord, let this be the day that everything changes. I want to ask you with your head bowed still and your eyes closed. If you're here, the Holy Spirit has searched your heart today. Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith or not. I just want to ask you, if you have any doubt at all in your heart, whether you're born again, I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been in church, if there's any doubt this morning, I want to ask you, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down real quickly. Thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Thank you, God, for that hand, Lord. Hallelujah. Any doubt at all? He said, that's me, and I want to make sure. Would you slip your hand up and right back down real quickly? Thank you, God, for that hand. Thank you, Lord, for this hand. Thank you, God, for this hand, my Lord. Am I born again? Are you born again? Except a man be born again, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Anybody else, real quickly, slip your hand up and put it right back down. Real quickly, anybody, anybody at all, thank you, God, for this hand. I don't care if you're just making sure. I don't care if you know for sure that you're not saved. doesn't make any difference. Right now is the time for us to make sure you're here. And I'm not sure. One more opportunity. Would you slip that hand up? Thank you, God, for that hand.
slip it up and put it right back down. Anybody? All right, I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe I don't normally do. But I want you to know this morning you're in the middle of a church that loves you. Believers that care about you, this is why we exist. I told Pastor Brian yesterday, I said, this is why I'm here. To preach born again to somebody. There's nothing greater that we would love to do than to pray with you and to make sure this morning. If you're here this morning and you slipped your hand up. I know Nicodemus had to come at night. But even though Nicodemus had to come at night, he still came. I don't know what you'll have to overcome to step out and to come. But I'm asking you this morning, if you raised your hand, I don't care if you got to take your neighbor by the hand. I don't know if it's you or your neighbor. I'm asking you to make your way and stand across the front. Not kneel at an altar, but stand across the front. And I'm going to pray for you this morning. There's others going to pray for you this morning. And we're going to make sure, come on, they're already coming. Hands went up. Come on, would you come? Let's make sure this morning. Hallelujah. My God, my God. Come on, would you come? You slipped your hand up, would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? There are others. Would you come and stand with us across the front? Come on, we're here for you. Anybody else? Anybody else, would you come this morning? Hallelujah. My God. All right, believers, I need people to come. Get around your family. Get around. I don't care if you don't know them. Get around them this morning. This is the greatest moment of their life. Hallelujah. Come on, gather around this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, if you came this morning, I want you to look at me just for one minute. I want you to understand something. I don't know all of you, some of you, I know some of you, most of you, I don't know you personally. But I want to tell you of assurance according to the Word of God. If I didn't believe what I said, what I'm about to say, I'll, I'll quit today. I'm done. But I come to tell you this morning, and I don't care who you are, and I don't care where you've been, and I don't care what you've done. And I don't care if you're just the good old boy or the, the good, just the good old lady that, 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 that helps everybody. It doesn't make any difference. According to the Bible, every single one of y'all fit under the category of whosoever will. You are a whosoever will. Whosoever will means literally whoever will come. And you came this morning. And I'm going to walk you through a simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Those that are around you are going to lay their hands upon you. And I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And I want to tell you, just repeating the prayer doesn't save you. But when you believe what we're about to pray, there's a miracle that's about to take place that you'll never be able to deny. And when we get done praying for you, I want you to know, even though you're born again, those that are around you are going to pray for you. That God would help you from this day forward to live for Him and to walk with Him and to be what God wants you to be. So this morning, with every head bowed, I want everybody to repeat this prayer with me. And then we're going to lay hands upon you and we're going to pray for you. Pray with me, Heavenly Father. Here I stand. I stand at Your mercy. But You're a merciful God.
God, I am sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I'm sorry for the sin in my life. And I ask right now for you to forgive me of anything and everything I've ever done. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that on the third day, God raised Him from the dead. And I believe that because He lives, I shall live also. And right now, by faith, I believe I'm saved. I believe I'm washed. I believe I'm clean by the blood of Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Lay your hands on them and pray that God would help them. Help them to live. Help them to walk. Come on, pray one for another this morning. There is room at the cross for you. Oh, there is room at the cross for you. As you're making your way back to your seats, just keep playing just a second. Those that are watching live this morning as those are making their way back to their seat, I want to tell you, the same power to save you that's here this morning is power to save you wherever you're at. And if you would, maybe you repeated that prayer with us, I don't know. But if you will call upon the name of the Lord with your whole heart, the Bible, I don't care where you are sitting or where you will be, you shall be saved if you place faith in Christ and what He did for you on the cross of Calvary. God bless you so very much. I want to end with this. If you gave your heart to the Lord today, thank you. 
I want you to know that you're not done. You've just begun. That we're here to grow in Christ. We're here to grow in the Lord. The enemy of your soul will never quit trying to steal your relationship with the Lord. Your lifeline to Christ is your faith. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. The more that you can hear the truth of God's word, the more your faith is going to build in Christ and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. It's vital. you got to have it. If you are blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations. Thank you and God bless you and your family.